Welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Panoramic Outdoors podcast. I'm Sheldon Grant. Today's episode is brought to us by iHunter. iHunter is Canada's number one digital hunting companion. And without iHunter, we couldn't do this type of podcast, so thanks to them. Uh, today's intro, me and Brendan are on. First time we're doing an intro together, buddy. How's it feeling? Hey. Yes, sir. Pretty good, pretty good. Getting accustomed to them. Nice. Whereabouts are you right now? I'm in, I'm still in Vailmount, BC. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, looking looking forward to coming home pretty soon. Yeah. Do you um do anything like what do you do at night? Like when you get done work, do you do any fishing or anything like that out there? I try to. Uh I've talked about in the past, like BC is just rivers and trails and all kinds of outdoor stuff to get up to. And I don't right. uh very often get to go up higher. <laughs> Being from Manitoba, everything's pretty flat back home. So so getting up into some different country is uh is pretty sweet out here. Yeah, for sure. I was um I worked a little bit in BC for a tree planter back in the day. Such a oh. beautiful country, but uh yeah, you can definitely <clears throat> get lost with ideas of going into different creeks and trails and lakes and stuff. Oh yeah. Sure. That tree planting, did you have like a uh how does it work? You you're in a block and then you have to you get paid per tree, right? So you have yeah. to like document it and then come back. Oh yeah, it's definitely slave work and um you get paid per tree. When I was doing it, it was like anywhere from eight cents to ten cents a tree. So, like some of my best days, like right at the end, I was averaging probably around three thousand trees a day. But it's a lot of work. Like it's not like <laughs> yeah, it's not like getting three hundred dollars a day to you know look at a computer or something. It was it was I was in great shape and probably like the best shape of my life when I was doing it. But yeah, it's it's it was fun. It was good. Met a lot of people like because they come from all across the country to go tree planting, um, and all walks of life. And the one, mm-hmm. the one thing that I will always remember is the group or the company that we worked with or the camp that we're at was um, like kind of like a religious camp, I guess, in a way. Like every Sunday they'd have a quick little church session or whatever you want oh, yeah. to call it <laughs> and stuff like that. And then the, and there's probably about seventy five percent of them would go to that, and then the other twenty five percent would be like myself and we would do our own thing but everyone was just super nice and yeah got along when your days off you'd go and party and act oh, like yeah. 20 year olds so it was <laughs> yeah. awesome it was fun oh yeah um and what about so okay so here's the deal i just kind of sit back and laugh sometimes in our group chat because uh april's running around manitoba right now shooting things and harvesting things and you're in BC, <laughs> like looking at trail cam pictures so how does that feel it's uh it's interesting because i we're both very independent when it comes to our our hunting techniques and uh especially camera placement or tree stand placement or any sort of placement we're very different people in that regard so getting uh getting these cell cams that we have uh sending pictures 
you know, getting her to set up my part of the account so that I can just check them out. And she's like, yeah, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, this one, this one's in front of your, uh, your blind right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. You're going to leave him alone. She goes, well, yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's great. Honestly, the technology is really cool, but there's a big, uh, big amount of jealousy that I have for all the stuff that she gets to to set up there. But uh, yeah. Yeah. She does. Uh, She's done great, and for anybody that follows us on oh, social media, Christ. she she got a she got a deer on her first night of the first day of the season. Yep. So um, I don't think me and you should brag it up too much. We'll let her talk about it. But <laughs> yeah. congratulations, congratulations to her for doing that. Absolutely, she worked hard for that deer. You know, she we we chirp each other quite often, even in the group chat there. But she puts in a lot of work, a lot of miles on a yeah. pretty short leg. So she's she's doing wonderful things out there. Yeah, for sure. We've been uh, actually chatting quite a bit about uh, iHunter, like I mentioned at the start of the podcast. And the one thing that I wanted to bring up for you know this episode to talk about it is that I've been doing a little bit of scouting slash tree stand building, et cetera, the last weekend. My only weekend I could could have done it. We've got this piece of property. It's not ours. We um, just got permission on it. That's uh, north of where we normally hunt, and it's just a small quarter. But the thing is, is it's like a big bush, and there's like uh, a few big openings, and it's on a blind mile, so it's really hard to kind of navigate once you get in there. The fences are, the fences are up, so once you find a fence, you can kind of figure out where you are. But a lot of times, you can kind of, I don't know, you can almost get lost there. So the one thing, like obviously with the iHunter app, you you have your GPS, you have everything like that. But the landowner map layers is the one that like I love the most. Mm-hmm. The thing about it is like you can find out where you are first of all, but then you know that you're on the guy that you're talking about and the or the guy that you have permission with, right? And the thing is mm-hmm. in the area that I hunt, he does have another small piece that's connected. So you can kind of get back onto another piece of his, but you have to have a good strategy, I guess, to get back there because it's it gets super tough. But anybody that is, you know, using the iHunter app and using the landowner maps, there is one thing that you might not have known. But if you are in uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, or Manitoba, and you have a landowner map, you'll receive 20% off on all prices of the future updates. So if anything that gets released by your county or your RM, you'll get a 20, 20% off right off the bat just to, just to have an update. And that's a, it's a great thing to do. I do. I do mine every year, but, like, if you know where you're hunting – uh, year after year, it might not be something you'll purchase, but if you're going into new areas, definitely get your your maps updated because you you got to know where you are at all times. You just you just never know. Yep, I think yeah. we all have stories about somebody coming up and asking, like, "Do you have permission to be here?" Well, yeah, and I mean this this app just can help you with that. Yeah, for sure. I remember a time where I was like, I don't know, 16, 17, 18, somewhere in there. And after school, we all were like, oh, let's go puddle, puddle jump some ducks. And we're like, okay, so we're looking for sloughs and stuff with ducks in it. We found this one. And we were like, we're just young and dumb. We're 50-50 if we were supposed to be there or not. So anyways, we go and like kind of surround this this pond and jump these ducks. And I don't know if we even got any. And this truck comes racing up. And it was a guy we knew, and, uh, like, he was, like, uh, he's well-known in the community. Mm-hmm. And he pulls up, and he's like, do you boys know where you're at? And we're like, oh, isn't this Hawkins? And he's like, no, it's not Hawkins. And we're like, oh, we thought this was Hawkins. And he's like, no, it's mine, blah, blah, blah. And went up and chatted with him. And when he realized it was just a few kids shooting some ducks after school, he wasn't too <laughs> mad with us. But, yeah. but, yeah, you definitely need to know where you are. 100%. 
Um, and yeah, so like preseason scouting, I was talking about, I got some tree stands up. I got a couple more stories about that, but like, what have you been doing? Like, can you, have you been doing any like e-scouting from BC? Are you excited just to get home and get some boots on the ground? Like what's Um, up with that? I do as much as I can. I'm kind of just a phone companion for April. Uh, when we're out there, I make her put me up to the, uh, the spotting scope so I can see what she's kind of doing. Uh, sort of a funny dynamic there, but, um, yeah, I, I know the area really good and I I use the iHunter app, um, and just, just constantly checking stuff out, uh, especially after I get off the phone with her or, or something, it's, I'm going to check something out. I want to see this. I, I go on Google Earth even and just kind of look at the area and like, yeah, I'm gonna walk in there. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in there. I've been in there a hundred times, but you, you never know what happens. The public pasture really doesn't change too much, but with crop rotation and and the new sort of uh grounds that the local like the farmers around us kind of buy into and laser level, they change uh change things up every year, it seems. So yeah, I'm always yeah. checking out the overhead maps and seeing where I want to go. Yeah. The other thing that I was doing to kind of get stuff ready is I went to go buy some shotgun shells and man, there's two things is that a, they're hard to come by. It seems can't find, I can't find the right ones and B they're goddamn expensive. They jumped in the last two years. It's wow. absolutely insane. I know you guys were uh, on, on the last podcast with Josh McFads. You guys were talking a bit about shotgun shells and like the Winchester, the super X and, and the Kent, even Kent shells. I like shooting Kent shells and they jumped. Yeah, like incredibly impressive. It was, I think, twenty eight bucks a box at one point, and now they're thirty four to thirty seven bucks a box now, and and yeah. hard to find. I don't understand why it's so hard to find. It's it's better to buy like a brick of them. Like I know, I'm I'm sure Harvester Outdoors can can really accommodate a lot of the uh the shotgun shell needs <laughs> this fall for yeah. a lot of people over in Selkirk. There, they're uh. They're wonderful. Any any sort of last minute things you need for say this archery season that's ongoing or the birds that are coming up. But uh yeah, go get your shells there. Yeah, harvester is great. Yeah, harvester is great. I and the thing is I like about well, obviously we've had Sean on the podcast before, but the thing with Harvester is that he he doesn't have like the hugest shop, right? Like he doesn't have mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff on the shelf, but they're so friendly there that you can you can go there and be like, Hey man, I need to this, this or this, and he can almost get it for you which is mm-hmm. super nice i'm not saying he like i'm not saying he will get it for you but yeah if you're ever in soccer go to 506 mercy street and check that check out harvester outdoors talking about outdoor shops i have one more story for you mm-hmm. eh, maybe i'll have two who knows but i so anyways <laughs> last week i i'm scrambling right like with work and stuff i've been super busy but all right make that as an excuse anyways but i had to get some arrows for my bow and for my crossbow so arrows and a bolt a couple bolts so I go into a local archery shop. I'm not going to mention any names because I was fucking, my blood was bubbling by the time I left there. But <laughs> the, th- the thing is for me, I don't know. I, I've always promoted sh- to shop local and small businesses, right? And mm. I love it. But like, I don't think I'll go back into that archery shop. I just, I just don't, I just don't like bad customer service, especially when it's a small town mom pa shop. And where I'm from in Western Manitoba, there's not too many archery shops to go to. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of sucks that you kind of got to give it up. But I mean, I went to get some arrows. I, uh, the service was brutal. I asked him, Hey, is there any way you can get me this arrow? Like, is there anything close? He's like, Oh, what, what's the weight? And I'm and asking another question. I'm like, ah, I'm not too sure. And he just looked at me and he's like, you don't know what you're shooting. Like I was an idiot, you know? And I was just like, 
no, I don't. I'm like, last time I was here, this guy showed me the, these arrows and I bought them like, and they mm-hmm. were great. I don't want them. I don't want to change. So he's like, it was a big deal for him to like weigh them and find the, what he, what I wanted. And, and then I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I'm like, what about a bolt? And he's like, well, what size or how long is it? I'm like, I don't know. It's right here. And he's just laughed at me. He's just like, <laughs> and then like measured it. And then I was like, oh yeah, the bolts are over there on the far wall. Like wouldn't even help me go and find the proper ones I need. And like, I'm not, I'm not. And that's the thing for me is I'm the type of hunter that I kind of like put a lot of trust and, and stuff into, you know, the, those, those types of shops that will help me mm-hmm. out. Right. Like I don't have time to learn everything and I don't want to learn everything. I want to go in there and get what I need and go and shoot my target or whatever. Right. Yeah. And then the last thing, the last thing that really made me mad <clears throat> was I was looking for some glue for fletchings and I was looking for some, some string wax. And I said, I asked him for the glue and he like grabbed it and kind of handed it to me. Didn't say anything. Didn't ask if I knew how to do what I was doing. Didn't know. Like didn't say anything. Just gave it to me. <clears throat> and then the, the, the wax, I was like, Oh, what about you know, string wax? And he literally just, it was right in front of me. I didn't see it, but he just like reached over and like tapped on it on the thing like didn't like it was just rude you know yeah exactly and i and the thing was is like i was leaving the shop and i was just thinking to myself you know my bow is like freaking 15 years old it needs new strings it needs this and i'm like this guy just lost thousands of dollars (laughs) in my business because (laughs) of a couple arrows you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but it's funny anyways that's my businesses yeah these business some businesses it's just you're going to go in there and spend the money. Like why wouldn't somebody just be at very least polite to you? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, and I think of it this way too. Like, yeah, I probably wouldn't spend my money there either, but if they're not able to even uh, grasp a simple concept, like just being polite to customers, how good a work are they doing on my arrows or on my right. fletchings, like on, on my bow, like tuning my bow, fixing my bow, what sort of, what sort of stuff are they doing to it? Is it just kind of a, yeah, I did it. And, charge you and you walk out the store and your bow blows up like no nah, that's no good there, I, yeah. yeah there's a few stores around that uh you just you won't ever go back to yeah exactly and the thing is like i understand people have shitty days and long days and whatever else but i literally went in there in the middle of the afternoon there's no one in there i was the only customer in there there's four three or mm-hmm. four people working like i mean i i didn't think i was too much of a pain in the ass and for what i wanted it would have been just simple just to you know Put in five yeah. minutes. Give me some, some, give me some tips or trips, tricks. Maybe who knows, but make the experience good, you know. And wow, he's probably just enjoying his solitude playing Candy Crush or something, and you fucked it up. That <laughs> yeah, was exactly. day ruin. That's right. Yeah. But the other thing that was cool is I got to sit on Sunday night um, in one of my blinds just to kind of scout things out, and I had twenty deer come by within a hundred yards. I don't know, maybe five or ten of them within fifty yards. And three yeah. little bucks, so it's looking sure. really great. Yeah, no, nothing huge or nothing to write home about. But uh, where there's does and calves, there's going to be some some bucks coming eventually in the oh, next couple should. months. So. The boys' club, yeah. I, th- I think yeah. you guys are in a bit of a heat spell right now. April said it's pretty yeah. friggin' hot, and I've noticed the activity with the uh, the bigger deer not really moving so much during the daylight hours. Even even at night, like in our spot now, it just seems like they're they're probably bedding down. Yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be like 34 this weekend. Ugh. Didn't mention our guest. We have Adam Morito coming up here right away. Yeah. Actor, your... extreme angler. Yeah, what was your, back. like, I, I want to know your final thoughts maybe in the outro, but, like, 
Okay, well, here's here's a question. What was your thoughts about getting um, an actor on the podcast? Like, did not you know it's, a, it's an outdoor podcast. It's weird that we're getting an actor. What did you think when I was like, hey, we got this guy. He's an actor. Uh, initial thought was like, oh, okay, uh, pivot from outdoorsy, but like looking into him and stuff, and he's just as much an outdoorsman as he is an actor. You know, his extreme oh, yeah. angling was pretty fucking cool. Um, yeah, he, he does some amazing stuff. Uh, down south in some deep water in the ocean and uh he, he was an absolute pleasure to talk to he's very easy going you know there there was always a little thought in my head like man this is kind of intimidating you know this guy's a a, a movie guy right like he's in movies yeah. with with people that we talked about you know some of the some of his co-stars and uh yeah he, he's really down to earth and it was just a great conversation with adam really yeah and he's he seems to have a lot of like um a lot of similarities with us, like, well, not similarities with us, but like, you know, he, he loves the outdoors. He likes being outside, but he's also like a freak with, with, um, fossils and shit like that. Like we could have talked for hours about some of the mm-hmm. stuff that he just had in the room, like his collections. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he seems yeah. like a really, really interesting dude. And we were just, you know, hit the tip of the iceberg with him. That's for sure. I don't think we had it in the, in the actual podcast meet, but, uh, he took us around and showed us his, uh, he had a Tyrannosaurus Rex skull and a woolly mammoth yeah. tusk and just some cool, cool stuff. He was, yeah, it was a great yeah. podcast. Yeah, that's right. Other than that, I mean, I guess we got some big news and I'm glad you're on this intro and outro with me because you are, or you have been wearing their stuff for quite a while. And um, Panoramic has teamed up actually with Badlands Canada and we are now going to be wearing Badlands gear for this upcoming hunting season, which is super exciting. I'm super pumped mm-hmm. about it. The thing about it, and I, you know, I've talked to a few people <clears throat> like Craig McCarthy up at North Mountain Adventures. He's been wearing it. So I've been kind of asking him a few questions on how it fits, you know, all that stuff. And the first thing that I really enjoy about this company is the community, the community that they're building within mm-hmm. like their outdoors world. Um, their their people at their stores, the people that are selling it. Everybody that I've talked to that has something to do with Badlands has been super nice and has been helping out. So uh, huge thanks to everyone at Badlands. But what is your, I mean, you've been wearing it for a while. Is is there anything that, that, that comes to mind, like first, like right off the top of your mind about Badlands when you, when you hear it, when you see it, when you feel it? Yeah, the quality. Um, I, I got introduced to Badlands gear um, by one of our previous podcast guests, uh, Josh Dilliba. And I just, I looked at it and I was like, you know shit that's that's nice stuff you know and I, I know i've always been the type of uh like growing up it was camo from the uh minot army surplus dad would just get me whatever to wear growing up and i never really put a lot of stock into camel grandpa always said the best camel was to sit fucking still that was yeah that was the best camel don't move um so getting into badlands it's really the first bit of gear that i've actually gave a shit about to keep getting more of because I really right. felt comfortable in it. I felt confident in it. And that was, that was something that I really, you know, didn't think I could do with a camouflage or, or with any sort of gear. Like I have three different bino cases and they're all for different kind of walking applications, I guess you could say. And uh, yeah, I'm looking at a backpack right now and it's, yeah, the zipper, everything from the zipper to the stitching and the fact that their warranty just backs everything that they have. What is their warranty on their bags and stuff? Uh, replacement as far as I know <laughs> oh, nice. yeah. not to be on the spot but mm-hmm. um, I just wondered if you if you use it or not yet but no no I haven't had to because like I've been beating the the crap out of this bag here 
even it's just at work and my laptop bag decided to yard sale itself uh, a few months ago and I just kind of transitioned this bag one of my Badlands bags into a into a work bag and I've been beating it up throwing it in the back of the truck every single day for months and months and it's just it's holding up right and, on. Uh, yeah yeah the thing is and this is just my thought is that like I don't know I've never hunted in the 70s and 80s but or even the 90s for that matter but the thing is is that whenever I start hunting I think hunting has changed like, I think a lot of people do a lot less like deer drives or pushing bush whatever you want to call it there's a lot less I would say for the majority of things a lot less like road hunting and there's a lot more people that are actually getting out there and spending time in the woods mm-hmm. or on the lakes or whatever for hours and like if 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 I had a new hunter come to me and say you know like what you know other than say your weapon or, or your tool like what would you invest in it and I would be investing in some good clothing like mm-hmm. it'll make you stay out there longer it'll make you more comfortable and it'll make you endure the outdoors to the best of your abilities if you can invest in it that being said mm-hmm. i'm also i'm also a guy that you know i've heard stories of the of the dads and the uncles and the grandpas that went out there in jeans and flannel you know and sat there <laughs> and shot big deer lots of deer but like how long do they sit there come on like the hunting story can be stretched right but absolutely um, yeah I'm, I'm super stoked i'm getting my stuff tomorrow um hopefully get out into the bush this weekend and if not it's gonna be the following weekend but um yeah thanks to badlands man it helps us out a lot and uh, if anybody is looking to get into the stuff you can always dm us and ask us for our opinion i mean brennan's a great resource mm-hmm. he's been wearing it for a while mm-hmm. uh, same with april mm-hmm. it's and a then, little and- it's a little tricky to get in canada right now but they have a really good find dealer tool on the website and you can find okay. a local uh, distributor of badlands and there's there's quite a few out there right now and it is yeah. becoming more widespread well, and that's what I was going to say too, is like on, on social media, follow them on Instagram because they do, what I've noticed is they've been kind of announcing stores that they've been like mm-hmm. having stuff in. So yeah, that's a good, that's a good little tip there. Um, but yeah, this intro has been kind of dragging on a little bit longer. Is there anything else? Right. If not, we should maybe, uh, no, let's get into it with Adam. Right on. Here we go. So today's podcast, we got an awesome guest. You might have seen him on maybe some TV, some movies, maybe on a big fishing boat or around the rivers or lakes. Adam Morito. Is that how you pronounce your last name? Morito, yes. Awesome. You well, got thanks it. for you coming on to the... Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Oh, perfect. Me. Awesome, awesome. So how we normally do our podcast is we do five burning questions. I'm going to ask three, and uh, Brendan's going to ask two, and that's just to kind of get our um, audience familiar with our guests and for you to get familiar with us, so... If you don't mind, I'm going to start the five burning questions. My first question is, uh, if you had one last meal on this earth, what would it be and what would you have to drink? Uh, one last meal on this earth? Well, since this is an outdoor show, I'd probably say my favorite fish that I like to catch, snowy grouper, grilled, blackened on a char grill, and nice. a Diet Coke, because that's my favorite drink now that I don't nice. drink. So, yeah. Right on. I actually was in uh, Clearwater Beach this past winter. And we went, to, I can't remember what the restaurant was called, but they had like proclaimed like the best grouper sandwich ever. But I don't know if that was true. I tried it. It was okay. It was okay. Then it wasn't <laughs> the best ever, was it? Well, I don't know. I can't, I, that's like only my first one I think I've had. So I guess it is the best in my mind right now. So um, my second question, um, being an actor and being on film and stuff like that, I 
for me, it's just like my anxiety just like goes to the roof. So you must have had some sort of like inspiration or push to get on stage or like, how did that all look like? Where do you get your inspiration from? Um, I would say a lot of the older classic actors when I was younger, because when I was younger, we didn't have social media. We didn't have like TikTok, Instagram, or you know, these like influencers to look up to. So I looked at a lot of the classic sort of actors like Brad Pitt at the time, Leonardo DiCaprio, um, Heath Ledger. I know he wasn't that old as a classic actor, but I always loved him perform. Uh, Tom Hardy and a bunch of his old stuff. I actually started acting on stage when I was like a kid in school and oh, yeah. then graduated from plays to TV to film after I graduated. So I actually liked being on stage more as a kid. And then when my memory started to be not as sharp as it was and I started to forget lines, I was like, no, it's time to go to camera. We can redo this shit if we screw up. There's no redoing on stage. <laughs> for you, like, no. Yeah. It's a little more forgiving. When that happens. Um, and my third question, because uh, you do a lot of fishing, that's why we got you on the podcast, actually. And uh-huh. it just happened to be that you're an actor as well and that you have a whole bunch of other stuff that happens in life that hopefully we'll get into. But um, if there's that one, one last, like the, the, the only fish that you could catch for the, the, the remainder of your days, like what would be that fish that you enjoy catching the most? Saltwater or freshwater or both? Let's do, let's do them both. Okay. Freshwater, I would probably say a walleye just because that's my go-to fish to eat out of freshwater. And uh, the lake that I'm on up north here in Ontario has – some monster walleye guys have been pulling out 14 pounders this year which is huge oh wow a lake just just north of toronto so yeah it would be it would be a walleye freshwater sorry saltwater um probably lingcod in bc i go salmon fishing to Haida Gwaii over here you know uh queen charlotte lodge up in northern bc Mm -hmm. we get some huge lingcod up there i love them people think they're so ugly but i think they're beautiful and the uglier Mm -hmm. they are the better they taste so yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just like the rule of fishing it's uh, like our yeah. burbot in manitoba i'm in bc right now actually in vale mount and kim oh, yeah. basket late has the uh has the link caught in them and yeah people poor man's lobster you know it's easy yeah. uh it's good good eating yeah i love link well brandon you're up with the I'll last pivot. two yeah questions. um so a little little bit away from uh um the outdoors here with this one music is is pretty special to to everybody really and i was wondering with is there an artist in the world that uh, past or present you would love to make music with, write music with, or just have a jam session with? Who would it be, past or present? Huh. Well, I'm not really into making music because I suck at it. I was a, <laughs> I was in the jazz band when I was younger. I played the fucking trombone. And it was just a horror show. It was awful. So, no, there's no real... I did a movie about um, Chet Baker, the saxophone player. And he was like a really cool guy, loved to party. He was a heroin addict. And I think he would be cool to hang out with for like a day, you know, no more than that. <laughs> but 24 right. hours would be cool. Um, I love EDM music too. I like house music and uh, electric dance music. And I really love, uh, there's a DJ called Elenium who makes a lot of music that I, I, I absolutely listen to all the time. Um, so I would love to meet him one day and, and just see where he gets his inspiration from and stuff and how he does it. Cause I have no idea how to make music, like how these DJs make music on a fucking laptop. Like, what do you press? Like the space bar? Like, what does it do? <laughs> how do you, yeah. I don't know. So I think that would be a cool thing to learn just cause it's, it's different. It's not, uh, 
it's not playing music with an instrument it's kind of all digitized yeah. digital right so yeah that's pretty crazy uh shack is a dj yeah diesel, those, right? those big hands diesel? figuring it out on the uh on the laptop yeah. pushing all that's the buttons at him, once <laughs> hell yeah Why yeah not? that's pretty sweet yeah yeah that's that's a good one there i'll i'll go back to the uh to the the outdoors and fishing here is there a bucket lips fish in the world anywhere in the world that you got that you yeah there is I'm, actually, I'm talking about it with my wife right now we're not really talking about it i'm telling her and she's telling me no um ah, it's yeah. called the goliath <laughs> tigerfish in the congo river oh cool um, yeah there's a cool uh, episode of river monsters with the goliath yeah jeremy Wade the, yeah. the sick one there but uh, like every travel advisory site you look at is, is like don't go to the congo unless you absolutely have to it's super dangerous right now mm. so i'm hoping it calms down a bit and i can get there one day because that's just a fish i've wanted to catch since i was small and also um taimen taimen in mongolia have you mm -hmm. seen them? they look like a they look like a brook trout mixed with an alligator oh, that's like, uh it's, it's pretty it's awesome. funny we've we actually just had a podcast guest, uh, Adam Dilliba. He's one of the uh, Nature Conservancy Canada guys here. And uh, that that was his bucket list fish, was a time in Mongolia. Yeah. Yeah, time and, yeah. yeah. I thought it was a, a jackfish mixed with a trout. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Again, not a part of the world I'd probably go to at this moment in time, but yeah, I'd love to. One It'll day. get better. It'll get better. Yeah. yeah. Well, you made it through the five burning questions. And before we get to the meat and the potatoes of the podcast, I have to ask, is that a mouth behind you of like a jaw of something? Yeah, that's Rexy. Do you want to see it? Yeah, yeah. totally. Might have to edit this out there, John, but uh, or keep it in whatever. <laughs> no, that this is, is my, dead. Uh, this is my dinosaur skull. This is Rexy from Alberta, actually. Wow. Place. Yeah, that's there's sweet. this foot too. That's insane. And that's a T Rex? My, uh, yeah, T Rex. This is my uh, sawfish rostrum. You know how we have oh. selfish bills? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Cool. Come over That's here. Cool, man. That's I wild. got a, a woolly mammoth tusk shoe. What? Two. I want to show you guys. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh. That's beautiful. It's fucking awesome. That's fucking cool. Yeah. And then this was my first barracuda I ever caught in my life that my grandfather had mounted for me in Florida. Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Those are awesome looking fish. Solid. Yeah. So, and this is one of my cats. This is Oshi. He's a Savannah. Say hi, Oshi. Yeah. Nice. They look like little cheetahs. Yeah. Around. Aren't Savannah cats supposed to get like super big, or is that like just something? yeah? That they, they, they go from F one to F seven. So F one is like tiger, and these are like F seven. So they're kind of smaller. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right on. Perfect for the house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, Adam. Well, like um, like I said, we we kind of connected on Instagram there. Um, fishing obviously was the attraction. Uh, you have a lot of other things that are going on in life, but how did, how did it all start for you with fishing? I mean, you you claim or you are an extreme fisher or extreme angler, but mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think you start that overnight. Like, where did it all start for you? Um, I think it started. My grandfather really got me into it. He. He built us like a family place down in Barbados, down south, where we kind of spent every holiday, summer, whenever we didn't have like responsibilities in Canada, we would go down there and we would fish on the reef all the time uh, on these glass bottom boats. I don't know if you've seen those on Caribbean islands. They're like yeah. floating crafts with glass on the bottom so you can see the reef below you and what you're hooking. So we did that for years and years and years and then started uh, tuna fishing on the bar there with blackfin tuna barracuda just small stuff like that 
and I just like I fell in love with it I fell in love with never knowing what's on the end of your line and the fight of the fish and getting into the boat cleaning it cooking it just the whole the whole aspect of start to finish for fishing was like my life for a long mm -hmm. time so it's really all I look forward to so it was uh yeah it, it stuck with me from a very young age yeah, yeah that's one thing like when it comes to fishing my my saltwater fishing experience is like very minimal almost zero but like when it comes to salt water like a it's like a massive piece of the world that it's almost like undiscovered and like half the creatures that come out of that water you've you won't find them anywhere else like you know what i mean like you can you can see a walleye in bc all the way to ontario and down south you know what i mean like all over the mm -hmm. north america but you get in some parts of those those waters like you watch those shows and they're pulling up these animals or i guess they're animals these fish that are mm -hmm. you know 200 to 1200 pounds and you're like holy what the fuck's going on here <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's a different game salt water is a different animal yeah and, and like fresh and fresh water like did you start out fishing like creeks and lakes rivers around ontario or or was that something that came later later in life yeah we had a little cottage about four hours east of toronto near kingston uh on a place called buck lake which uh was good for smallmouth bass largies um some northern pike walleye stuff like that so whenever i wasn't fishing in barbados i would go there and then uh started bass fishing up north at my cottage now north of toronto but really only got serious about lake fishing i would say in the last like six years with oh, yeah downriggers and looking for lake trout and the proper sonar and radar and, and all that stuff so yeah yeah right on um and then kind of skipping not really skipping forward but you obviously have an instagram presence of being an extreme fisherman or extreme angler can you explain that i know there's probably a lot of our listeners are like i've i've never heard of that or never i don't know anybody that does that so where does that come from basically it just means going to places and, and doing things that are very precarious and dangerous and other people, even local fishermen with their knowledge wouldn't do on the island. I mean, I took a lot of, took a lot of stupid risks, I guess, when I was younger. Um, I like, I was running out of air spearfishing one time and I saw a grouper uh, swim really far below me and I went after him anyways took the shot, missed it, and then had to surface instantly and got a really bad case of the bends. Oh, wow. Which was, uh, yeah, put me in the hospital for a while and it was like touch and go there for a second. So that was, uh, that was, that was quite stupid. So I don't do stuff like that anymore. But around Barbados, there's this, this North Point where the Caribbean Sea and the Atlantic Ocean meet and collide and create these crazy, crazy currents. And the fishing there is phenomenal. These fish hide right underneath this riptide that the two bodies of water uh create when they meet and no one fishes there at all but i found this like perfect sweet spot to go for these schools of barracuda and jack and these huge dog tooth snapper where it's just like it's it's amazing it's amazing hmm. right. well, why are those fish hiding out there do you know like is there like stuff to eat or is it just the north of the island i think has the most live rock of any place in Barbados around the island. So it's a really plentiful uh, food source for them. And yeah, there's a lot of life around there. Nice. When, uh, when you had the bend, when you had the bends, Adam, did you have to go in like any sort of hyperbaric chamber or, or anything to equalize or? Uh, 
I definitely should have. I should have, but the chamber in Barbados has been broken for I think five years. Andy. So they wanted to, <laughs> yeah. So they wanted to chopper me uh, out of a sea level helicopter to Martinique to uh, go back in, but I said I don't, I don't really want to do that. Let's just see if I improve a little bit, and then I just started to get better every day. And the nitrogen bubble just started to go away, but I was breathing oxygen for like 48 hours straight. Yeah. In a bed. So, yeah. Wow. Um, Getting into those situations and you kind of said like you've done a lot of stupid things, but um, what is the, the, would that be like the number one stupid thing you've done? Like, it just sounds like you've got a lot of cool stories. Like um... I would say, I would say swimming or I guess you could call it swimming, but I wasn't really swimming. I was fishing. Um, in Bahamas and this fish got off the line uh, from deep. It was like a 25 pound uh, mystic grouper and it blew up, but it then came off our hook. And I, I jumped in the water to grab it with like tiger sharks in the area. So <laughs> uh, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the greatest thing, but uh, I've been bit by a shark too. I've been bit by a bull shark in Bahamas. So No way. Yeah. Um. I heard. I heard a story about you doing a little bit of research that you just and you also almost got your like leg ripped off or something out of a boat. Is that yeah. true? Yeah, that was a <laughs> shark actually. Jesus. That's oh, uh, man. <laughs> man, I, it was. It was just. I was just hanging over the side. Like there was not even bad. Just deep dropping, and we were just chumming a little bit of bait, and then this fucking thing came like literally two hundred feet, rocketed in a second. I didn't see it at all came out and took a took a fucking swipe at me and missed the missed my leg but like yeah it was wow yeah and i was in tobago too where the sharks are pretty well fed so do you say keep your legs in the boat now or no i still don't (laughs) (laughs) what are the chances of that happening again like yeah exactly yeah exactly take it um that's right you just said something about um sharks are pretty well fed so like again zero experience um fish in the oceans but is that something that like is in your in your knowledge of like being safe is like some of these some of these fish are very hungry you've got to be very cautious compared to absolutely i mean you look look if you go if you go fishing with sharks in bahamas or you swim with the stingrays in cayman um aside from the one bull shark that bit me um i guess i kind of had it coming but um they're, they're like pets you know they're they're almost trained to interact with human behavior and you go to barbados and you see a stingray and you go anywhere near it its tail flicks up it's dart like it's it's what do you call that thing it's like spine spine gets ready to go its stinger gets ready to go and you don't fuck around like it will literally sting you and kill itself in the process right there like there's there's certain areas of the world where fish have not been conditioned to interact with man at all. And right. I think sharks in Barbados is definitely one of those spots. It's weird though, because there haven't been any shark attacks in Barbados, I think ever reported. And the shark population there is coming back like you've never seen. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few years. But uh yeah, I still can't figure it out. No one knows why. There's so many sharks on the island, and you never see them on the west coast on beaches. They never come close. They're just they just have their own little world. If they so, have no reason. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of commercial fishing in Barbados. It is 
pretty overfished and our catches do get stolen a lot bringing them up especially from deep water but yeah I don't know. I was just about to ask about that. What are they? Uh, shark tax, I think I've heard it called. Oh. They take their chunk on the way up. The tax man. Yeah, the tax man. <laughs> That's funny. And so when, when you're fishing this type, like whatever you're fishing, is there actual like seasons when you target certain things where like fish are biting more than, than other? Like I know like. Yeah, for sure. You know, same as the fresh water or is, or is it any different? Yeah, yeah. Snapper and grouper spotting is is good the season is kind of thick right after june okay i would say is when the big ones start coming around after they've laid their eggs and they're they're hungry to i don't know go do whatever they do until the next spawn (laughs) but um i would say the big marlin is good around october november down where i am and then it gets into wahoo wahoo's really good in uh christmas season winter season um snapper like the reef snapper is pretty good all year and then the big queen snapper and grouper is good in the june july august uh when when sort of everything calms down there's some days in barbados where it's flat calm in the summer like oil slick calm you can see your reflection and then in the winter there's 20 foot swells like non-stop great winds so Mm -hmm. yeah sweet um i had one more quick question about like big fish is um i'm gonna tell you a quick story and then it'll uh it'll incorporate with my question but when i was growing up when i was like 20 i shot my first moose with a bow and arrow when i shot that moose after i shot that moose i was like yep like hunting the outdoors all this shit that i do came from that moose like it was like i was so jacked it was like the coolest thing ever and it just like that's where my building block was so my question is for you is like was there that one fish where you're like just so proud of that made you want to become, you know, into the fishing world and teach people how to fish, all that, all that stuff. Ah, one fish in particular, if there was, I would say it'd be my first sailfish ever. I caught when I was nine. It's a fucking monster. Nine? Wow. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it was like a 110 pound sailfish. It was fucking huge for a sail. Wow. One of those ones just passing by the tuna grounds, you know, they're not very plentiful around there, but, uh, yeah, I hooked it when I was nine, and uh, that was kind of that was kind of the first catch where you were like, "Holy shit!" There's stuff like this in the ocean, like you had no idea. It just opened up a whole new array of possibilities. Seeing that was the a catalyst. Flow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, God, I mean, there's not many sailfish around anymore, but that was cool, especially on like a, a hand line too that all the locals are using. So that was mm-hmm. that was fun to bring in by hand. I like that. Oh shit by hand so what would i like, i have no idea what the fuck you're talking about so what is that hand, like <laughs> a piece of rope or what that has like goes down to a line or what man no it's a spool it's like a, a black plastic spool with 100 pound mono just wrapped you know 300 yards on it and you just use that and your hand is the drag so oh, i see however hard you push on it is how <laughs> yeah it does hurt and you do burn your fingers and it's yeah so yeah hmm yeah that's insane um i know like for us and i'm not gonna speak for brendan but i know we're very similar people but like for us we use the outdoors um hunting fishing and stuff to kind of escape and i know for myself right now archery season in manitoba is coming up in a few days i'm looking forward to it because i've been working lots and just to get out in that tree stand and sit and kind of watch and hopefully see something but um do you ever use fishing as an escape or was that something that Oh, you know, yeah. came into your life 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like therapy for me, man. Just going on the boat for four hours, no talking to anyone, no one bitching, no one complaining, just <laughs> you in the outdoors and, and just listening to nature. I, I love that. Yeah. It's just, there's something so freeing about it because these things, they're not under law. They're not under the fish. They're not under any sort of jurisdiction. They're just free. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, until they get caught and come into the boat and then they're fucked. But before <laughs> yeah. that, it's like a very, I don't know, just being at one with nature is, is something I value a lot. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. And it's like a cliche or it's like, it almost seems like kind of corny to like say it out loud, but like, I think like a lot of people, especially a lot of men use the outdoors or, you know, hunting and fishing for that escape. You know, I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, there's it's nothing like, wrong with it. No, it's pretty much what we were biologically designed to do. And that's Be why inside. I feel so good after being out in nature, because that primal instinct has been satisfied. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So breathing that better air. Yeah. Vibe is just, it's just different, right? So many it's, positives escape the cultural zeitgeist that we're kind of experiencing in a, everyday life to yeah yep yeah and adam like you you battled some demons too in your life um did mm-hmm. a little bit of research about it like do you, did that coincide with your fishing as well like do you want to maybe dive into that like how that maybe worked out for you what what went on like how did you go through it if you're listening to this episode we know you love local and so do we that's why we're going to encourage you to check out your local co-op Co-op is in over 600 communities across Western Canada with over 2 million members. Co-ops are a member-driven organization that serve the local community. You can check out co-ops for all your food, fuel, home and construction, as well as agricultural needs. A membership costs you $10 to get in, and you're going to see that back in equity. You don't need a membership to shop at Co-op but you'd be missing out on all the equity and most importantly your say and how that company runs. For groceries, if you want to shop online, you can check it out online at shop.crs and select markets. There's hundreds of local products sourced and packaged all across Western Canada and even free cookies for children in store at the deli counter. If you're looking at a home and building experience, they have local experts available to help with any plant, large or small and free home and garage blueprints available for online download. Their gas stations are not just a great place to stop for fuel, but also for snacks and a recharge. They're available all across Western Canada, voted the cleanest bathrooms. They have full service at most locations and car washes at most locations. On the egg side, Co-op's been in the business since 1930 and has continued to lead the way in not just energy products needed for seeding, harvesting, and everything in between, but also in the growing inventory of high-quality products, including crop inputs and feed that Co-op manufactures and distributes. Co-op's private label production selection is growing every year, providing growers with the high-quality products they expect from the name they trust. Co-op also offers a range of fuel, lubricant, and propane products, and also provides farm buildings, grain bins, bulk fuel, fuel tanks, livestock equipment, fencing, and heaters. Wherever you are, be sure to check out your local co-op because they have it all. Oh, I don't think it really coincided with fishing. It kind of stopped me from fishing for a good, I would say, seven years. I was in and out of it. So I got uh, I got pretty hooked on painkillers 
after some surgeries when I just got out of college. And um, I tried to stop taking them myself and experienced like opiate withdrawal for the first time. And I was like, oh my God, this is fucking horrible. No, 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 no. So I went back on them and got worse and worse and worse. And tolerance went up and up and up. And I was just taking oxy like candy and tried to hide it for so long. And family didn't know about it and then found out about it, you know, ruined one of my first relationships that I was in. And um, finally went to go get help for it. And I was, uh, I was in and out of places for about, yeah, seven years before I finally got uh, some years of clean time under my belt. And uh, I realized that the very, very little of it had to do with actually taking the pill. You know, you get hooked on pills and people want to blame the pharmaceutical company or who the fuck allowed this to be sold. This ruined my kid's life. And I'm, I'm like, no, actually you were pretty messed up before you started taking the pill. The pill was just a symptom of everything mm-hmm. you were going through. And then you finally took the pill and you were like, Oh fuck, where has this been my whole life? Like mm-hmm. this is the answer to everything. So kind of addressing everything that, that lied underneath um, why addicts and alcoholics become the way they are was, was pretty uh, eye opening to me to see like how many issues I actually had to confront like abandonment and the anxiety of life and uh, purpose and self-esteem self-esteem stuff and and there was a lot of stuff I learned about myself and now having gone through it and come out the other side it's it's like wow that was like the most that's the most I've learned about myself ever and I've never felt freer than I have and not really um, caring about judgment or what other people have to say or think because mm-hmm. it really doesn't fucking matter to me. At no. least. Yeah, 100%. But, yeah, it's, um, I, I'm very grateful I got to go through it um, and see what's, what was in it for me and what I got out of it. And it's it's really sad to see people that, that don't make it through the other side. You know, I know so many people that have just taken pills and not woken up, right? And that's it. Right. And it's, uh, it's, it's tough to see. It's tough to be on. It's tough to go through that with people and, and lose people on the way with the war they're fighting against themselves Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like i when it comes to addiction i i've never personally dealt with it but i've had family members or super close family members that have dealt with it and and passed and stuff and you know it's just like um you always wish that they they could just reach out we all knew that what they're going through but they just never wanted to help themselves kind of idea and you know for 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 somebody to finally realize that they need help and they and they can do it i mean it's i don't know it's almost seems like there's a lot of people that just think that they shouldn't or like they that they're scared to ask for help but it's yeah, like that's what we're here are. For, well you know? it's it's a it's a sad truth people are scared of the stigma they're scared of the judgment they're scared of the consequences is the biggest one it's like oh is this person gonna leave me am i gonna lose these friends am i gonna lose my wife am i gonna lose my job am i gonna lose all these things like my is my life over basically but um i don't think that should be something that people worry about so much because it's just not true if anyone can yeah. actually put in the work and see that that's not what their future has to be i think it would be a lot better it would be a lot easier for people to reach out yeah um so then like when when you did recover and you were or 
I guess I don't know if you're always in recovery. Maybe that's something that's in the movies, but maybe you are. But like when you do get out onto that boat, like you're saying, and um, you kind of reflect on those times and just like do you? I mean, I think you are. I mean, you seem like a very grateful dude. So, how does that look now? Like when you look back on your on your addiction? Oh, I enjoy every moment on the water so much more now and do you kind of regret those years i wasn't able to to spend out there but um it's 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 kind of i don't want to say it's replaced my addiction but i think the outdoors kind of has it's sort of what i look forward to um every week going up to my place and getting to go fishing and never knowing what i'm going to get or what's going to happen and uh Every time is a new experience. There's a new big fish. There's a new place I haven't fished before. That was fun to explore. It's just it's just like being a kid all over again. So that sense of wonder in the outdoors has really has really helped me. I think stay on my path and be sober. So nice. yeah, I'm super happy. Yeah. Uh, good for you, man. I'm happy that you're happy. Um, but kind of just like kind of keep moving forward a little bit. You are also working on some content related projects when it comes to your uh, extreme angling extreme yeah. fisherman tell us about that so i just shot my first episode i guess this would have been back in april in barbados of i, I tried to condense um all the years of fishing knowledge i have there into like three episodes so originally i was just going to do one um one big one but we shot it and then i, I was like no this is too much for her one one hour episode so we got uh three episodes of basically fishing around the whole island in seven days nice. um, and then we're taking all the catch we get to the best restaurants and local spots i know on the island to make for us and prepare their local way and featured um a couple great local chefs and local fishermen as well to get some nice. of the cultural aspect into it and uh yeah have a little little uh little tidbit in there on uh, UFOs because there have been a lot mm -hmm. of UFO sightings in Barbados. Me and my wife actually caught one on camera. Uh, oh, really? Oh, shit. Years ago. Oh, we were there? Yeah. It was creepy. Wow. Yeah. Um, but, like, so is is this out on Netflix? Or, like, or not Netflix, on yeah. YouTube or anything? No, no, no. We're still in the editing phase. I'm doing a little bit of okay. sober on Sunday. So I'd say about another month. And then we're gonna okay. Yeah. Right on. The yeah. thing is, like, when it comes to those types of videos, and I think you're – I think that's a great idea. I know like meat eater does it and there's a couple other groups that do it, but like they'll go and harvest something and then they'll cook it. And I think a lot of people appreciate that side of thing. Though that side of things is like, um, you know, eating what you catch or, or whatever it may look like, especially when you get like chefs and stuff involved in some like high culinary type art, let's say. Um, I think, he, I think that's a great concept. So are you going to like plan to do other, other destinations or. Yeah. Is this kind of yeah sure. cool. all over the world yeah, That'd yeah. Be awesome. i would like to fish in all how many countries are there like 190 i think that would be <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, fish in every country around <laughs> around the world have something different from each place yeah because you see all these these guys on instagram and and tiktok they're the world travelers oh i'm going to travel to all the countries in the world and post mm -hmm. it i'll do the same thing but i'm going to go fish in every single one yeah right so, you know, not just and not just not hall. just be the not just be the grip and grin either right like getting yeah. into the the cultural flavors of everything yeah exactly exactly um it's funny how you talk about ufos because i was actually at one of our moose camps and we were out there fishing a few weeks ago and me and my cousin were sitting on the deck and 
we're watching out into the sky and like all this shit's happening and we're like holy fuck like this is insane and then we get back to town and everyone's like oh did you see the meteor shower last night and we're like oh <laughs> that's what that was so <laughs> that was pretty good let me see if i can show you a picture of the because i know we were putting it in and uh, editing just recently so where is this thing okay here can you see this on screen well or not holy what shit the yeah how was that see that saucer that's insane zoom out and you can kind of see it over the beach wow ah <laughs> It's so crazy because last night we did a podcast with Josh McFadden, one of our buddies in Manitoba here, and we we're talking about UFOs. And we're like, isn't it funny how like you can't get a UFO picture without it being like super grainy? It looks like it comes from like a flip phone, like an old yeah, one of those Nokia, <laughs> yeah, the palace mics that I had. And then you just show us this like perfect picture yeah. of a UFO over a beach. Fuck. Well, uh, you know what? It's funny because it was um, we we're just taking pictures of of the water on this cliff and then we had it in live mode you know live photos on iphone mm-hmm. so then we we're looking through what we took later and we pressed our finger on the screen and you just see this fucking craft like just zip across when your thing was when your oh, finger was pressed and then we look at the bottom left corner of the screen and there was this little drone that appeared it looked like a little ant with a flame under its ass just like shooting off the screen and then as soon as it did this craft came towards us and then zipped back the other way. And you have it like frame by frame by frame going out. And I sent it, I sent it to these UFO secrecy, uh, Instagram pages and conspiracy theories. And I didn't think I was going to get many responses. They have so many people within 24 hours. Where was that? What the fuck? Where did you see it? That looks like a craft. It's an anti-government, whatever, anti-gravity reverse engineer craft. I was like, Dude, you're talking way too much. Like, I don't know what you're saying. Like, is it a UFO? Does it have aliens? Where's their planet? Can I go fishing on it? If not, <laughs> so, you know, what the fuck do they want? Please be, please be nice. Dang, it's the last yeah. thing you need right now. Yeah, seriously. Oh well. And now you're gonna be on a bunch of like conspiracy UFO podcasts. I, you know, I months. would, I would love to just to talk to those guys, just to see like what they think. Were you a believer before that picture? Before you? Oh, I was. I was always a believer that we're not the only intelligent life in the universe. I mean, there has to be. You kidding me? No, of course. Like, yeah, no, no. I always knew the infinite expanse. In the infinite expanse, there. I don't. I don't think I believed in little green men running around per se, but I I believed in intelligent Mm -hmm. life forms outside of humanity in the universe. So it's not a big shock. Let's see. No, yeah, like I, I'm in the same same boat. I I think there's something. I don't know what it might look like or anything like that. But I mean, there's a lot of other stupid things in this world that aliens is that the one or let's say UFOs aliens are the ones that are like, yeah, that's definitely possible. Uh, Sasquatch, well, on the other yeah. hand, I don't I don't think so. The Sam Squanch, yeah, <laughs> I can believe that guy. But um, what's tripping me up most about the aliens are these underwater bases i don't know if you've been hearing about those how they say that a lot of these refueling stations or or whatever um these ufo bases are underwater like under the pacific ocean and Mm -hmm. the marianas trench and all these like super places that are undetectable and nobody can get to them on earth um my buddy was coming back commercial fishing from in saint lucia coming back to barbados so it was like a 9500 mile trip 
And he says halfway back, maybe in about 4,000 feet of water, it was black. They saw these glowing lights come up from under the water, about 20 feet below the surface. And they were in this like weird pattern, uh, like 100 feet from the boat. And then they just disappeared. And it wasn't a sub or it wasn't anything man-made. So right. that's trippy just to think what, because we know less about the ocean than we do about Mars, right? So mm-hmm. the ocean floor yeah. is so, it's just too big to explore fully. Mm-hmm. No, no idea what's there, which some I, which those, I like. some of those creatures I, down there are just insane. Some of oh, those yeah. goblin sharks and the, oh, just oh, yeah. the yeah. craziest yeah. Like fish and lantern yeah. fish, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really fucking scary when you think about it. Like you don't know what's down there, you no. can't even get there. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. You literally can't even get there if you wanted to. So yeah, a few subs on Earth can do it, but mm-hmm. yeah. Huh. Um, I'm gonna kind of fast forward. Maybe fast forward. We might jump back to some fishing questions and stuff too. But um, you're an actor. That's your that's your profession. Is that still something that you're doing today? Like um. I know we've been talking a lot about fishing, but like, what do you do as a day job? Like where, where can we find you? Yeah. I mean, right now all of Hollywood's on strike. So right. That's right. Kind of not doing Mm -hmm. much Kind of waiting until all that gets resolved with AI. And I don't know, it's pretty scary. Some of the things that AI is able to do now. So I'm hoping that gets resolved before Christmas, but um, there's still a lot of Canadian things up here that aren't SAG related that I, um do some auditions for but mostly just been working on unscripted stuff on my uh on my own fishing show right so nice yeah nice yeah we're shooting i'm shooting episode next week on lake ontario here a lot of people don't know lake ontario has some of the best salmon in in the eastern part of canada Mm -hmm. right not that great to eat but great to catch great fun so yeah they're big big fish there yeah um and i have to ask like is there anybody that you've come across in the acting career where you're like oh man you like fishing too and then just like become like best buddies for an hour uh, in acting career no but i'm i'm good buddies with uh bob Zumi, who's a bit of a canadian like yeah. real fish. we've had him on the we've had him on the podcast <laughs> oh you've had him on the pod yeah oh yeah he's awesome he was at my engagement party uh over the weekend so nice. oh, i should have told him i was seeing you guys but yeah no he was uh we've been fishing together a bunch and he's like an awesome guy to, yeah. to fish with and i was just fishing over um on sunday monday with uh hayden christensen from star wars oh yeah okay. <laughs> part he's of a, a conversation guy. with sheldon was uh oh, he was fishing with hayden christensen oh yeah i won't fangirl i won't i won't do it i'm not gonna do it yeah no he, he likes fishing too and he's, he's a great guy so yeah we had some fun up north catch some good walters yeah, yeah, we had, a, we had a good walleye day. Actually, we got five nice ones. So. Short lunch. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I package him for him, and he takes him back to his place. Yeah, and nice. Enough, so yeah, it's good. That's cool. Um, and like when you're on the, on like, work duty, when you're on set and stuff, um, have you ever been starstruck? Like, have you ever been, came up to someone and been like, "Holy shit, that's him," or is that still Bob Azumi? <laughs> And it would still be Bob over anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, probably Arnold Schwarzenegger. No way. That was still a pretty surreal experience because I love him. And it's just been someone that I've watched and looked up to for a long time. So right. just being able to work with them was, was, was pretty cool. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. 
Um, and then like getting kind of into the fishing thing, I, I heard a story. I think it was one. Of, I was listening to a podcast this morning that you're on, and I can't remember. I was kind of like in and out of meetings and stuff. And you're on in the background, but there's a story about you were fishing off of a table or something with oh, somebody. Yeah. Yeah, with What's that all about? In, the, in Grand Cayman. We were filming, uh, I think, yeah, it was almost three years ago. We were filming over COVID in uh, Grand Cayman, and we went for dinner at this place called the the Grand Old House. Grand Old House or Great Old House? I don't know, one of the two. And they have so many tarpon that swim right off the, the balcony where they have all the, the seats. So oh, we brought a rod and some live bait, and I was just like, casting behind the dinner table out into the ocean <laughs> while we were waiting and then you'd have your rod here and then all of a sudden in a fucking talk would just start smoking and jumping and causing quite a ruckus in front of everyone and yeah but well, we had to do it once you know? yeah uh, that's uh who'd you say it was ron perlman who's he's off of uh sons isn't he sons of anarchy hellboy oh hell and the baker hellboy. just came out in the states yep. i think it's coming out okay. in canada I think mid September. I think they said something like that. But, that yeah, was nice. the uh, that was the premiere you were at when we tried to do the podcast a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, he also does a Optimus Primal for the new Transformers movie. He does. <laughs> he that yes, he does. He's got the voice for it. He's got like oh. the cigar voice, you know. The horse. There's so much uh, so some hard cool narr- some cool narrating, like the Fallout series. Uh, a bit of a gamer and, and noticing his voices and stuff, and yeah. looking at his IMDb, it's surprising what he's been in, and he's been a. Oh, did he do the video games and stuff too? Yeah. Oh right. Yeah, right. yeah. He was the he's the narrator in the Fallout series. And yeah. Nice. He's done fucking everything. Everything. I think the first time I ever saw him was in Enemy at the Gates, and smaller role, but oh, still yeah. cool role. Yeah, he was yeah. Kulikov in that movie, and that's yeah. I he told me he told me that Enemy of the Gates is one of the only two movies he's ever been in where he took props home from. Yeah, did he take the, the teeth? teeth home? Yeah, the teeth. Yeah, old teeth, silver teeth, yeah. whatever. So yeah, that's yeah. cool. Um, and you you worked with Nicolas Cage a little bit. Is that true? Oh yeah, the Cage. <laughs> yeah, what a guy. He is he like a different specimen or <laughs> like? Dude, I honestly don't even think he's human. He's so amazing. It's like just. <laughs> this unreal guy his mind i have no idea where it goes i don't know where it comes from but it's so fun to watch so fun to just talk to him he was saying i tell this story i told it on another podcast but it's just so good where he's like uh i was showing him my fossil collection and he loves spiders he loves like these stuff like whatever spiders tarantulas in in cases these like taxidermied ones and he's like adam there's this purple tarantula that lives in the amazon and I've been trying to get it in California, but like I can't because customs. You have like a spider guy you can hook me up with just to bring him across. I'm like, no, Nick, I don't have a spider guy, but when you get it across, call me because I want to come see it. (laughs) He loves fishing too. He's a guy that just loves, loves outdoors, loves being in Bahamas, loves the water. So yeah, that's a that's pretty good impersonation, my dad. Thanks. That's that's (laughs) That's top for sure. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because like we've had, you know, we've we've done over 150 episodes and we've had like uh, guests like ex NHL, uh, MLB athletes and like you get talking with guys and and girls and stuff and they start telling stories about people you would never expect to see in the bush or on the lakes. You know what I mean? Like they seem like yeah. prim and proper type type dudes and and all of a sudden they're like out there, yeah, you know, frying bacon on the fire. 
for breakfast, you know, you'd never expect it. Yeah. So it's pretty, that's the reason why I asked, I got to ask some of those questions because I think it's pretty cool that those people that you see in movies, TV or wherever else that they're, they're just like us. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I think like Nickel Nick and uh, Ron Hayden, like they'd be great guys to have on, on my show later. That was one of my ideas is to just have these, these uh, celebrities that love the outdoors just to get them in places that they're, not surrounded by red carpets and managers and, and people fielding their questions can get like to a vulnerable <laughs> state to actually get to know them on a deeper sort of level that's right. never been done before so yeah. well uh, and, and it's a good concept and i think i personally think that's why like podcasts are popping off in the last 10 years is because you can kind of it's different than talk radio or it's a little bit different than like talk television it's like you kind of get behind a mic and you know yeah, it's um, just stories can shoot the shit. Yeah, yeah. vulnerable storytelling. That's all it is. So, so I like that. But yes, um, Brendan, do you have any more questions there before we uh, start getting close to wrapping up here? Hmm. With the fishing down in Barbados, uh, I'm I've done very minimal uh, saltwater fishing as well. Is there any sort of advice you can offer to somebody that's getting on the boat that has sort of balance issues or? You know, we, we all hear about it from people on, on the boats in the ocean. Like uh, my wife, April, another, uh, the one that sent you the, the link there. We've, we've been saltwater fishing and we've tried gravel, Dramamine, the patches where, you know, we're, we're eating Dramamine like Tic Tacs, trying to just stay, stay going on. And we've been on boats our whole life, but in, you know, muddy brown lakes in Manitoba our whole life. Is there any sort of advice you can give, give people getting into that or? Honestly, I've heard, I've heard people try all those things. Nothing works. Mm -hmm. I've heard people try half a Xanax. They swear by it. I've heard other people just say, get as wasted as you can. And you won't remember being sick. So it kind of counts. <laughs> it doesn't. But there's literally, there's not, there's nothing I know of that can stop motion sickness if you're really prone to it. Mm -hmm. Even okay. my wife, she's tried all those things and on the water, she used to be able to do it. Now she can't go anywhere close to chop on salt water. Yeah. And me, I've never taken a pill in my life, Dramamine related anyways. And uh, I've never been seasick once. So hmm. I found one thing yeah. that kept me, uh, kept me from puking when we were in Dominican earlier this year was uh, I went with a couple other buddies. April was on the lower part. She's just puking over the side, but having two buddies and, you know, that sort of toxic masculinity of staring at each other over the bucket, not going to be the first one to pop was like, Oh yeah, that kept her. I took I took a buddy I took a buddy fishing in Bahamas one time, and I said, you know, if, you, if you've never been, maybe you should take a gravel. And he was like a bodybuilder and tough guy. He's like, oh, I don't need that shit. No, fuck, I know. And then we get out there, we're rocking a little bit. I'm like, you okay? He's like, oh yeah, I'm great, I'm great. Never needed it. I'm good. Twenty minutes later, I'm like, you okay? He's like, absolutely, absolutely. Man, this is such a beautiful boat. Like, I don't understand <laughs> why. We don't have these more in Canada. And there, that's West, right? We're facing West. Yeah, yeah. So listen, if I'm going to puke, I do it right over this. <laughs> just worked it into his conversation. But just goes to show you that you can't, uh, yeah, you can't, you can't out tough nature. Nope. You really can't. No. So right. I don't know. There's, if, if anyone does come up with a formula that works and is foolproof and is not harmful to your body and, and gets rid of motion sickness you're you're looking at the world's first trillionaire mm -hmm. <laughs> fair enough yeah um and then i guess i'm gonna i got a few more questions before we wrap 
get wrapped yeah. up here. Um, but like, have you like traveled to any parts of like Canada doing the freshwater stuff? Or like, I know you've talked about fishing BC and stuff, but anywhere else that you've been um, ex- experienced or explored? Um, freshwater, I think the only other places besides Ontario, I've done um, heli fishing in Vancouver Island up north of Tofino for steelhead for oh, trout. Yeah. That was amazing. That was so cool. Like the clearest water. It was so, so beautiful. I'd like to do more of that. I'd like to get more into stream and like trout fishing for brookies and uh, just all those kind of fish that, that you don't really see in the ocean. So right. there's something so peaceful about that. But no, just lakes up in Ontario. I haven't I haven't done like Monster Pike in um, Lake Athabasca or Great Slave Lake or Great Bear Lake. You know, my dad used to go and do that. I would love to go catch a 60-pound lake trout. I think that'd be awesome. Ooh. Our lake yeah. is hard to get past 15 pounds, so anything monstrous like that would be cool. But, yeah. Yeah, well, in Manitoba here, I think, my opinion, is that we have, like, probably one of the best fisheries in North America for sure when it comes to different mm-hmm. species. Like, we got, like, a channel catfish that is, like, I think it's, like, you catch the biggest channel catfish in the world, I think, in really? Manitoba. I don't know if it's the world. Don't quote me on that, but they they get huge. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And like a couple of my partners here that that run Panoramic with us, they'll go there certain times of the year and fly fish them and catch like, you know, 38, 39-inch catfish off the fly. So like it's super cool. Catfish surface? Or is the weight on there? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and then like and then you can go north obviously and like get into like the big lake trout or big rainbow trout walleye jack <clears throat> like no muskie here but um and then keep going north and right up to the hudson bay and get into like arctic char and stuff or like ocean fed brook trout i did that this past year that was super cool so but it's like an ocean fed yeah. brook trout yeah so they're 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 from like the ocean from the hudson bay oh. and then they'll they come down and spawn into the rivers that's awesome and in north manitoba yeah so um i'll send you a picture of actually a couple there's just beautiful fish but if you're ever wow. in manitoba and want to want to check this shit out man yeah if you now want you to go trip, i'm down i'm down i also really want to catch grayling arctic grayling yep. yeah yeah those yeah yeah those look awesome They're so we're just gonna fish. have to trade trade trips you come to manitoba and then you just take me to <laughs> barbados okay. with you i'm on down <laughs> I nice. love company. I love people like fishing for the first time with. I like getting people excited about fishing, you know, when I take them to a spot and they hook into a good fish, I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, and the other thing too is like just getting people into fishing as in like, for instance, my, um, my nephew, he's four this year and he wouldn't touch a fish before. Now he's finally like holding them and stuff. But the thing for me, it was like, I got him excited about catching the small ones first. It's like, he caught a little dink walleye. And it's just like you pump them up, like, oh man, that's awesome! Wicked fish, wicked fish! And then he gets excited, and then the one, next one's a little bit bigger, and he's like, look, look, look! You know what I mean? So you get those kids, and even people our age get them fishing for the first time. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool experience. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to teach my kid how to fish. We just found out we're having a girl. Oh, congratulations! Oh, congratulations. So, yeah, do awesome. March. So awesome. She's gonna like to fish. She doesn't really have a choice. <laughs> Cool. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. And what type of like rig are you? Are you like riding around in down south in Barbados? Like, is that a big like fishing boat or? Yeah, it's not a huge fishing boat. It's a Grady 306 uh, Canyon, okay. 30 foot Grady White. 
So center console, twin 300s on the back, downriggers, deep drop. I got a hooker electric deep drop and a Banax stands fishing rods, so sword rods. So yeah, we're set up. A couple slow fish mm -hmm. rods, spinning rods, conventionals for Wahoo and uh, Dolphin or Mahi Mahi, whatever you want to call them. Uh, yeah, so we're good. We're set up. And then what, like, how much water are you normally fishing in? How much water? Yeah. Deep. How deep? Deep. deep? Oh, depends what you're going for. For the queen snappers, it's 900 feet. Oh, wow. Anywhere from, yeah, deep dropping with five pounds of lead. Uh, swordfish, 1,500 feet at night oh. out there. Six gill shark is 1,100 feet. Snowy grouper, 650. Warsaw grouper, 1,200. Schoolmaster snappers, 85 feet jigging on the reef, right? So... Oh wow! When you're when you're pulling fish up from that depth, you pretty much have to keep them all, or they they go uh, back yeah. down nice. Yeah, they yeah. come up. Yeah, they come up. Dead. Pretty well, not dead, but they come up blown up. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Truly, really no saving them. Do you pretty much eat everything that you that you catch? Yeah, everything. Yeah. Whatever I don't eat, I sell to restaurants, and that's their catch of the Fuck day. Yeah. Um, but Barbados has a very healthy deep water fishery. They don't have mm -hmm. I mean, the reefs are getting fished out, and there's no regulations there on anything there's no season there's no limits there's no slot limit there's no size limit there's no weight there's nothing you can keep and kill anything you catch so it's going to be a bit of a problem in the future mm -hmm. especially yeah. and and i do feel for the local fishermen because that is their livelihood but at the rate they're going they're not going to have anything to catch in the next mm -hmm. 15 years if those fish pots and the nets and everything keep cleaning out the reefs on the west the way they are it's it's not going to be good for the island or for, or for them or for tourism, for fishing, for whatever. So I'm hoping so the, for changes in the next couple of years because it's it's not sustainable. The way it's does going. the local government have plans for regulation? Or... They do, but there's a lot of pushback and no one really takes it seriously because they keep saying, well, you know, this is the way it's been for hundreds of years. It's going to be fine. But no one understands that it takes 300 years for the one year that's going to ruin everything. Mm -hmm. so that's the i don't know we'll see and yeah. as quotas increase i'm sure those numbers just go down exponentially <laughs> oh yeah yeah ah. yeah but you know it'll be uh the deep water fishing still good so that's where i spend most of my time yeah yeah so uh, kind of my last question here before we start wrapping up and i've said wrapped up about 300 times tonight but what is your kind of like long-term goals i know you've you've done or you're doing the youtube thing but bro, both professionally and same with like fishing the extreme angling, where are your goals set at? Like, what do you want to see here in the future? Well, I definitely like to have a, a big reality show like River Monsters and kind of have a storyboard line to it to be aired, not just on the internet to some streaming service, hopefully. Right. To get like a Netflix original or an Apple original would be great. And then once the strike lets up in Hollywood and we get back to filming stuff, um, I would love to get into bigger budget um, studio movies down in LA, which I think mm -hmm. would be great. Because if you if you can succeed at at either one of those, it kind of leverages your um, oh, absolutely to to bring you to the other. So it's it just yeah. makes because you see so many so many movie stars and internet stars. As soon as they gain a following, then boom, they they pump out their makeup brand or their apparel or whatnot and if i can do that with my fishing show to like educate and get the future generation passionate about actually getting into the outdoors and not mm -hmm. gaming their whole lives away it would be it would be <laughs> great yeah 
Yeah, like I said earlier, like the concept of your YouTube videos is amazing. Is that but is that something that you'd almost want to keep like monetizing that those those shows on YouTube might be worth it too, right? Or would you use them kind of as like sure. a pilot for something bigger? Um yeah, I mean I can't really answer that right now because I don't know how the YouTube's really gonna go. We haven't released yet. So right. we, the the cool part is is we got so much good footage, but we don't even really know what we have. So right. we're gonna release it and see what the feedback is and see what people like and respond to and, and take suggestions to heart and then see what season two will look like from there. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. 100%. So I you think do, you do. Sorry. I just want to add the one thing we filmed the whole thing on Filmic pro on an iPhone with a tripod and it looks like a fully cinematic movie. So taking sure. it to Apple plus would be kind of cool. That's why I want that's to crazy. That'd be wild. Line is, yeah. Sorry, man. Go ahead. You, you do a lot of producing, uh, you're editing for your show. Are you doing that yourself? What's that looking like? Are you no, locking I have, yourself I have, in a room? Yeah, no, I have an editor that I'm working nice. with, a professional from film school. So deadly. I'm not very good with tech or computers. So <laughs> me too. The others. Yeah. Fair enough. Brandon, do you got uh, anything else you want to ask, chat about, mm. quick before we? Uh, no, man, in? that was that was phenomenal. I really, uh, really thank you for coming on. Yeah, no, thanks for I having. Appreciate me. it. Glad we finally got to do it. So yeah, yeah. Talking about it for a while. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hopefully um, we can get everybody back on with Bob. That'd be kind of sweet. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Did Bob have tell you about our, our app that we have? No. No. I don't think so. It's called Landpass. We're um, just launching in the states in two weeks. So okay. basically, connects uh, hunters, fishermen, outdoorsmen, bird watchers, whoever loves the outdoors with private landowners to hunt fish or do whatever on their land instead of crown land right so, okay. as, as you know as a hunter most of the the trophy bucks and everything they're all found on private land it's not it's not and in the states it's such a huge market so yeah mm-hmm. we're looking for a lot of properties now to be put on land pass so the landowners make money and the hunters pay a fee to use the land for a day and everyone goes home oh, happy yeah because there's wow. so much unused private land that people could be monetizing for their benefit. So many people in the States wanting to use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I mean like, that's just like the, that, that type of business, let's say, I mean, and I'm going to speak just for Manitoba, but that type of business has been going on for 75 years. You know what I mean? Like there's, (laughs) there's people that come up to come up to Canada to let's say hunt a waterfall, like geese and stuff, ducks. Yeah. And they'll like go, to the farmer and be like, oh, here, here, here's a couple of jugs of whiskey. I'm going to be here for four days. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's been yeah. going on for years. So yeah. It's a, it's a wicked concept, man. Yeah. I mm-hmm. hope. It, um, well, it should. So fingers crossed. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Like, and I, I guess my final thoughts for tonight and um, yeah, I just, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. I know like uh, it was kind of like a cold call um, message on Instagram, but you're like, very quick to reply that you want to talk some fishing and talk about um yeah the extreme angling side of things and i really thank you for doing that i mean um running a podcast gets tough you know like as you kind of can tell with scheduling just for instance um it it kind of can get backed up and everything else so i really appreciate you taking the time that's cool that we can connect this way and not only that like with having bob on before and stuff like we kind of have some other connections that we never knew about so um that's the great thing about being a i guess a human being is that you get to uh experience people and and meet people throughout your life so thanks again for coming on man 
I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. There we go. Adam Morito. What a, what a character. I, um, I had a lot of good laughs in there when I did an impression of, uh, what's his Nicholas face? Cage. Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Nicholas Cage. yeah. <laughs> I tried so hard not to nerd out when he was talking about like Ron Roman and Hayden Christensen. It was, it was a fight internally, but uh, yeah, yeah. he was a pretty, pretty cool dude and really appreciate him telling, uh, telling his stories on the boat down South. Yeah. Um, the cool thing about it or not the cool thing about it, but like one of the things that we do for all our podcast guests is we send them a little gift from panoramic. It's usually like a hat or a shirt or something like that we've got some new gear coming out. And by the time you listen to this, it will be, close to being in the store we've got like a pre-sale going on right now let's just say we have a pre-sale going on right now because i think it should be in the store by the 15th and this episode should be out right away so you can pre-order any of any of our new gear and it's not much i mean it's a black hat and a black sweater with a new logo it's not going to be like a new logo let's say it's more like a new graphic we're still trying to figure out a name for it but it's (laughs) it's kind of cool it's like a it's like a p like the letter with an arrowhead in the middle what do you think of uh, what was your first thoughts of the new logo there, Brendan? That's an awesome logo. Simple, simple it's, like archery. <laughs> no, that's very Min- true. You know, minimalist, and that's kind of the sort of idea behind it. And it, it looks really good. I don't. Did you did you draw that? Like, was it a? Yeah, like I I came up with the initial idea and kind of put it together, and then I sent it to another guy out east that kind of we called refined it, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know if that's the right word, but it basically helped me out with like, like the sizing of it's, it's once you, I don't know if when, when you draw a logo, you have to have like symmetry and stuff like that in it. Mm-hmm. And it, and it sometimes gets hard to digitalize it and everything else. So this guy gave me a hand and helped me out with it. And he's actually the same guy that's done uh, the catch and cook logos for Josh okay. and Jay. Oh, so nice. he, so he helped us out with that. And uh, I'm hoping to work with him a little bit more here in the future when we get the story rolling a little bit more. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so check that stuff out. It's going to be on pre-sale or like, I think it's called pre-sale. I've talked to April what exactly it's called. But yeah, it's going to be available <laughs> to basically buy now, mm-hmm. but it won't be available till the 15th to get because we're still waiting for it. So that's super exciting. I'm super pumped for it. But yeah, if you're in our store, www.panoramicoutdoors.com, you can check out all of our stuff. We've got, you know, sweaters and hats. We've got, we've got some t-shirts and we're slowly revamping the store and it's kind of like, discontinuing some of the old stuff and bringing in new stuff. So if you haven't been on to the store for a while, at least go check it out. Not only that, we got a blog on there with some, some cool write-ups. We got a few recipes that we're slowly mm-hmm. building, building up. Um, what else is there? There's a little bit of, I, there's, we got to do some more updates with you. We got to get you in April on there. We got to yeah. do some more, more things. It's always under construction. And if you can't help us out like uh, that way by, by purchasing some merch or representing us with some merch, one thing that you can do to help us out is go onto iTunes or Spotify and leave comment and, and give us a rating, five-star rating and a comment helps us out a lot. It gets us into onto more people's eyes and it gets to spread the word of the panoramic outdoors podcast. So if you do that, that'd be awesome too. That's right. Five-star call me an asshole. Doesn't matter. Just five-star. That's good. <laughs> That's right. But other than that, what else? Is there anything else before we should talk or we should talk about before we uh, take off from this podcast? I I don't think so. This was this is a really fun one. I'm getting getting used to these podcasts now, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we got some exciting uh, exciting guests coming up here. Yeah, we do, and you know you've been doing you've been killing it. Both you and April have been killing it. We really appreciate everything you guys have been doing. Um, I even had some phone calls saying, "Hey, 
I heard that one when Brendan was on there, he's doing a great job. So, like, uh, pat on the back to Brendan and April for, for doing what they do. Um, but other than that, yeah, we appreciate everyone listening. And this mm-hmm. was a, episode 158.